of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 431. Jason Lingren is with me and Mark Passio returns. I'm glad to have Mark. I just watched an hour-long YouTube clip of his where it gets into natural law, and that's where we're going to open up the door here today. Uh, kind of astonishing uh, outside a campus asking young people, like, what does natural law mean? What do rights mean? What does a cult mean? And very few people have any clue. And this is a good time to have a good idea of what these things mean and the overarching reason they matter in the time we find ourselves. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a rainy good morning. All right. Welcome back, Mark. I should have looked up. The, you know what? While, while you're introducing yourself and getting all your links and where people can find you down, I'm going to look up on my site the numbers for the other episodes. Great. Mark joined us on episode 250 and 271. It's all you, Mark. Tell people where they can find you and where they need to go to, uh, to keep up with you. Well, thanks so much for bringing me back, Crow. I really appreciate it. It's good to be here. My main website is whatonearthishappening.com. That is where you can find uh, the bulk of uh, all of the information that I put out over the years, uh, including podcasts, uh, videos, interviews, etc. And uh, I also run a, uh, a collaborative website of uh, other content creators that talk about natural law and occultism and human slavery and what is going on on this planet. And that is uh, the website called onegreatworknetwork.com. I also uh, run a uh, technology seminar where I teach people how to communicate this information and uh, publish it online so that it can be received by many, many other people. And that seminar is known as How to Become the True Media. And the website for that is howtobecomethetruemedia.com. All right. Um, you know, it's a funny thing. Probably three months ago, some of the very high ranking people that I now talk to because I do what I do, people I would have never met in my, in my normal life. Uh, they told me a while ago that part of the push that's going on now is what he called it wealth stripping. Yes. And he said the wealth stripping is going on because they want to get everyone on UBI, which means universal basic income. And they told me that monkeypox would be launched in August. So pretty much what they have told me has come true. On August 1st, I started seeing the bogus numbers for the bogus disease called monkeypox. And I saw our boy Elon, the actor Musk, come out and say, well, it's pretty clear robots are taking over the world. People are not going to have jobs. We're going to need to go to universal basic income. So all the things that I'm hearing months in advance are coming to be. But let's shift back, Mark. We're going to jump in. And we're going to get down to some natural law. These are big ideas. These are important ideas for the time we exist in. And I'll tell everyone, go find his YouTube clip on natural law. Not only do I love how he put it together, the logic is flawless. So where do you want to jump in here, Mark? Well, uh, the uh, video that you're referring to is uh, my first documentary that I've uh, ventured into making. Uh, it was called Mark Passio and the Science of Natural Law. And in it, I briefly introduce myself and the work that I do. And then I launch into a, uh, uh, an in-depth explanation of what natural law is and why it is important for people to understand. So uh, that documentary is available on, you know, whatonearthishappening.com and uh, people 
can watch it for free or they can buy hard copies of it uh, you know, from my, my gifts area. So it's about uh, an hour and 10 minute documentary on the subject of natural law. It's sort of a crystallization, I guess you could say, uh, a condensed version of my uh, extended eight hour, eight and a half, nine hour pres- you know, around there presentation called Natural Law, the Real Law of Attraction and How to Apply It in Your Life that I gave back in 2013 in uh, Connecticut. So uh, I wanted to put out a version of that that was basically for someone who didn't have a background in understanding my former material that I have presented over the years, has not listened to all of my podcasts, et cetera. Somebody who just has no background in understanding this and no rudimentary understanding of the world of the occult, no rudimentary understanding of natural law at all. I wanted this documentary to act as a primer, just uh, something that someone coming to this completely fresh could watch and it not overwhelm them, that they could appreciate the simplicity of it to put some nice visuals to the concepts and explain it in the script, in the narrative, very simply and succinctly. That was the goal of going about setting about creating this documentary to begin with. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to remind everybody what I say about the creation, the natural world. Uh, we live in an illusion. That's that's not false. The only thing that I'm aware of in this creation that is not an illusion is gold. It's the only thing that doesn't change. If a thing is not permanent, how can we call it real? Having said that, if you go to a cliff and jump off, guess what? You're going to get hurt. You probably even die. So there is a level of reality, but in nature, there is no lie. And that cues up what I'm going to ask Mark next. What does natural law mean? What is the definition of natural law? And let's let's give them a hoodwink. Guess what? The word natural is right in it, so you should have a clue. But let's lay down the definition. What does natural law mean? So, yeah, in order to define that, I would go to uh, etymological definitions first, especially with the word natural, and then we'll see what it really means. So if you break the word natural down, you obviously have the word nature within it and then the, the suffix al. Okay. So related to nature, obviously, uh, that which is inherent in nature is our you know dictionary definition. But if we really want to go to the etymological roots of the word, which to me uh, expresses even deeper meaning, we would have to define nature from an etymological standpoint. Where did the word nature in the English language come from in ancient languages? And uh, that would be breaking down the consonants N-T-R, which in ancient Egyptian, N-T-R pronounced netcher, which is very, very similar to the English word nature, just a different vowel sound in between the N and the T. The ancient Egyptian word netcher, N-T-R, transliterated to English uh, characters, N-T-R, means God. Okay. So right in the word nature, etymologically, you have the very concept of the creator. Okay. And it means literally like God of the universe, nature. It is given the hieroglyph, a flag on a pole, what looks like a little triangular flag on a pole, actually very similar to a golf flag is the hieroglyphic glyph for God. 
And they do that because they are alluding to a force that exists and has effect upon a physical object, such as a waving flag, yet that cannot readily be seen with the eye or with the senses, but you know that the force is present. So right in the word nature, we have etymologically nature, which means God in ancient Egyptian or Kemetian. And then the suffix al, A-L, in Sanskrit and other ancient proto-Indus Valley languages means of or related to or from, from, of, or related to. And again, that makes sense because we use that suffix in English as well, meaning those same things. So literally, the word nature from the etymological standpoint means from God, of God, related to God, from the creator, of the creator related to the creator of the universe. And that is what nature is. Nature is that which is inherent to creation itself and is not man-made. That is the actual definition of the word nature. Nature is something that is inherent within creation and is not a constructural idea of the human mind that we invent to relate a concept, tell a story, act as some relational mode of thinking to convey an idea. That is a constructural idea. Nature in and of itself is that which is actually inherent to reality. So the word natural is that which is inherent to the real world of nature, the real world of fact, okay, and is not man-made. Now, the word law, combining the terms, the word law is a condition that is uh, universal, Uh, non-man-made, binding, and eternal. And it is absolutely immutable. It cannot be changed. It is a set of conditions that always work the same way everywhere at no matter what time, no matter what place, no matter where they are in the universe. And nothing that any being or force does can remove that set of conditions from being in effect in reality in nature. That is what the word law means. And that is pretty much a scientific definition of what a law is in nature. Combining them, we have the conditions that are eternal, omnipresent, binding, immutable, unchangeable, that are actually related to God. So these are the creator's conditions that are always in effect in our reality. Literally, that is what natural law is. It has zero to do with Darwinian concepts of genetics and Darwinian macrobiological evolution that many people believe in. It has zero to do with that. It has zero to do with the quote-unquote laws of the animal kingdom, the laws of the jungle, Okay, the laws of the strongest survive, et cetera, survival of the fittest, zero whatsoever to do with any of that. These are the creator's laws of moral consequence. So my working definition for what natural law is, is these are eternal, omnipresent, immutable conditions which govern the consequences 
of behaviors that are enacted by beings that are of an order of higher level intelligence than the, the standard animal kingdom animals. We consider ourselves human beings, which are above the standard animal kingdom. We are set apart as human beings, as homo sapiens sapiens, because these laws apply to beings which have uh, the capacity for holistic intelligence, which is actually the capacity to reason out through logic and through heart-based intelligence as well, which behaviors are moral and which behaviors are immoral, or in other words, which behaviors are right and which behaviors are wrong. If a being does not have the logical capacity and innate intelligence intellectually to be able to, through their mental reasoning and the communication of their words, be able to reason out which behaviors are moral and why they are moral and which behaviors are immoral and why they are immoral, then natural law does not actually apply to those beings, meaning animals can't do that type of logical process. They are incapable of reasoning at that level of detail and complexity. So you cannot hold the animal kingdom to the standards that human beings are held to when it comes to moral laws of behavior and consequence. That is what we are talking about when I talk about natural law. When I'm referencing natural law in my presentations, in my seminars, in my documentary, I am talking about laws that come from the creator of the universe that govern human behavior, not animal behavior. Those are, those are completely different set, sets of conditions, circumstances, and laws, if you will, regarding animals. And we should never look at ourselves as quote unquote, just another animal where animalistic behavior is going to be taken into the human domain and simply applied to us as only animals. We are not quote only animals. We are infinitely more than that because of what the complexity of our brain and central nervous system makes it possible for us to do and the ways that it makes us possible to think that the animal, the rest of the animal kingdom simply does not possess. Therefore, we are held to the standards of moral behavior because we have the capacity for holistically understanding, holistic intelligence to understand the rightness or wrongness of human behavior based on a very, very simple definition of what right behavior is. Right behavior or a human right, which most people cannot define. Again, we did social experimentation. We went out and did man on the street interviews to include as part of the feedback that we're giving people in this documentary that we created, uh, because we're trying to show how far away from an understanding humanity has drifted of basic morality and the basic intelligence that is simply required to understand the the presence, the existence, and the operation of natural law in our lives. This has been called many other things throughout human history. Uh, it's been called karma. It's been called God's laws. It's been called 
the laws of consequence, the laws of cause and effect, etc. Uh, the, the hermeticists talked about this. Ancient occultists throughout time have talked about this. Modern occultists have talked about it. Modern day philosophers reference it perhaps in so slightly different terms. But it is all ultimately about understanding what rights are and what behaviors are not rights. So when we went in and did man on the street interviews to include in this documentary, we simply asked people of all ages and races and gender, we just said, what can you define a human right? And zero people correctly could give the definition of what an actual right behavior is. What is a human right? They could not answer the question correctly. They gave a bunch of different answers that, you know, w varied wildly from, you know, the, the reality of the matter, but none could give the actual definition. And there is a correct definition. And that is that a, a human right is an action or a behavior that does not initiate harm to another sentient being, period. It does not initiate any form of harm against another being that is sentient. And that means human beings and animals. So then we have to define then what are the harmful behaviors, which behaviors do not fall under the category of rights because they are, by definition, initiating harm to other sentient beings. And that's a very short list, which, you know, if we get into that, we can define exactly what harmful behavior is. And then through its negation, meaning an action is not that set of behaviors uh, that, that constitutes a right. A right is an action that does not do those harmful things. We then arrive at the correct definition and the correct understanding of which rights human beings have and which behaviors they do not have the right to take that are always wrong, that are always immoral. And that's what we basically set out to do as part of this documentary, which is very simplistically define natural law. We told people in the documentary also that this is occult information. So we very simplistically gave people the definition of the word occult coming from the Latin language, the verb occultare, which means to hide or to keep secret. All occult is, is hidden. It's hidden or secretive information that has been deliberately kept back from the masses of humanity for specific reasons that the keepers of this information justify that they believe they have the right to hold it. So I, I explained in the documentary that natural law is actually occult knowledge because what has happened with it over human history is it has been sequestered away largely by, from the human population at large, from the masses, because the ruling class the ruling occultists who are actually running our society, the dark occultists, as I refer to them, have been attempting to hide this information to the best of their ability so that people don't understand the truth about the difference between right behavior and wrong behavior. And if you don't understand the truth, then you get chaotic consequence in your life. And we all collectively in the aggregate, in the collective as a species, if we don't make this knowledge common sense, then we all get chaotic consequences 
in the aggregate in society. And that is what we are receiving. And that is what this ruling class, this occult ruling class wants humanity to keep receiving. They want us to keep receiving chaotic consequences that they do not understand why they're getting what they're getting. And they keep saying that they want the opposite of it. Human beings keep saying we want the opposite of the circumstances that we're receiving, of the consequences we are receiving in life because we're not happy, we're not fulfilled, uh, we're not prosperous, we're not getting what we say that we want out of life. And we believe we're going somehow to be able to receive the opposite of what we're currently receiving without understanding the knowledge of natural law and adjusting our behavior to it, doing the shadow work that is going to be required to change our mental worldview of how everything works in this reality, and then aligning our behavior to the laws that have been laid down by the creator of the universe for this reality. It is absolute madness that anyone in life would expect to do things against the laws of how things are set up in this reality and prosper and not suffer. That is pure madness and insanity. And yet, People will still insist either these laws don't exist whatsoever, morality is relative, we don't need to learn this, this isn't important, and they've been convinced through the mind control, through the social engineering that the ruling class has put into place, that this is negligible information that doesn't need to be studied in depth, that doesn't need to be understood in its fullness and completeness, and then put into practice in our lives. And that's the main reason why humanity is still in slavery. This is the most occulted knowledge in all of the realm of occultism, of hidden secretive information that has ever been sequestered from humanity. Natural law is actually the secret of secrets, as I call it in the documentary. This is what the occultists are really desperately trying to prevent from reaching common sense, everyday human being awareness. Because if it reaches that level of awareness, the playing field is completely leveled and people would not really be able to be mentally influenced and controlled by this ruling class of social engineers anymore. And we would very quickly end the condition of slavery that humanity is currently being held in. And that's why they want to keep it under wraps. They want to keep it secret or they want people to consider it non important, trivial information of some quirky religious notion, which it is not. It is actually a factual science that has observable and repeatable effects. That is how science is done. We make observations. We make hypotheses. We look at the data. We study all of those factors, those variables, those dynamics. We refine the hypothesis if necessary, and then we come to a conclusion about what that data means, and we publish our results for everyone. That is absolutely the way that the science of natural law actually works. It is observable over periods of time of human history for us to understand how collective behavior drives collective consequence. That is how it works in the natural domain where the behaviors are conducted in the realm of nature. Behavior is not conducted constructurally 
in the mind, right? People say, oh, this is a constructural idea. No, natural law is not a constructural idea at all. Behavior is not conducted constructurally, mentally. Behavior is conducted physically in the world of nature. All the behaviors are done in the world of nature. Therefore, the consequences of what then develops in the very world of nature where those behaviors are conducted is observable, and that observation is repeatable, and we are able to see the results that occur and that are basically quote, given that are created actually by humanity over long periods of time. That is how karma or natural law works over time. People think that karma works instantaneously, like this cartoon definition of you do something bad, you walk outside, a safe falls on your head from the third story window. Doesn't work like that. It works aggregately, meaning collectively in the whole species all over the planet certainly in pockets of culture a little bit more quickly, okay? And in the local areas where human beings are operating a little bit more quickly, but definitely globally over long periods of time, okay? And it's not an instantaneous process. It's something that has to be observed happening over long periods of time and over all of the human species. That is how karma or the laws of attraction or natural law really operate in the aggregate over time. So I've put in a, a simple mathematical equation. If it's a science, an equation will generally govern the law, right? Just like physical laws of dynamics, we have equations that generally govern those, those laws that are the governing dynamics and governing principles. Natural law has an equation. The sum or aggregate of human morality whether their behaviors are in alignment with moral laws and they are not initiating harm against other sentient beings in the aggregate is directly proportional to the totality or the sum or the aggregate of human freedom. You could literally write it out as an equation. The sum or aggregate of human moral behavior is directly proportional to how free humanity is in the aggregate. Very simple equation. I word this in the English language as morality is directly proportional to freedom. As morality increases, freedom increases. As morality declines, freedom declines. That in and of itself, that simple layout of how this law operates in the human domain is actually the largest and most deeply held, deeply kept occult secret in the entire occult world throughout all of human history. And that has just been in my documentary. I say, understanding this, you have been given the secret of secrets in all of the mystery traditions in all of the secret societies, in every single deeply held spiritual tradition that you could refer to by any name, that is the secret of secrets that those traditions have been keeping, have been teaching to their initiates, to their inner core circle, and in general, have been attempting to keep from who they consider the profane. I take the opposite approach to any of that, 
And I will say to all of those occultists throughout human history, those that are alive today who take the same mindset in secret societies today, who think this information should not be given to the average person, all of you are wrong. All of you are wrong and are immoral for continuing to take that approach. Because if we don't teach this information, if we don't take it out of hiding, if we don't take it out of secrecy, and if we don't make it common sense, humanity is doomed. This is the only thing, this is the only understanding that can actually reverse the condition of human slavery and reverse the path that humanity is on to self-annihilation. The only information that is capable of doing it. No other single piece. Of, and I'm stating that unequivocally in a way that will trigger people. And they'll be like, how could this be that important? Yes, absolutely and unequivocally. It is the only information capable of transforming the human worldview and the human understanding of behavior so that we don't self-eradicate our species. That is singularly how important the understanding of natural law is. So again, my documentary is a primer. The science of natural law documentary is simply a primer for the very basic understanding of how what the concept, what the presence of natural law actually really is in nature and understanding it from a very simplistic point of view. It's uh, again, there for people who have never heard of it before and want to understand how it operates in the world and then make an effort to study it further and eventually align their behavior to it as fully as they are capable. That is what natural law is, what it's all about. I call it in my seminar, it's the real law of attraction. It's not the totally new age woo-woo version of, oh, just think one way and feel a certain way and you're going to get everything you want. Wrong. The knowledge is required of how the laws of the creator operate to bring us the consequences that we're going to receive based on the behavior that we put out. That's why it's the law of attraction. It acts like a mirror. You put out the behavior into the universe, the action, and then you get back the consequences for the action. If the action is moral, then the response or the consequence is going to be orderly and good and prosperous. If the action is immoral and you did not have the right to take it, over time in the aggregate, humanity gets back the aggregate consequence of the consequence is going to be disorderly. It's going to be chaotic. It's going to lead you into deeper levels of bondage and slavery. It's going to remove freedom. It's going to remove free will and freedom of choice, etc. And it's going to create hardship, no prosperity, and just chaos all around. And this is what everyone, when asked individually, do you want abject chaos, disorder, total lack of prosperity, lack of freedom of choice, lack of freedom overall? Is that what you want for yourself and everybody else? Every human being is going to give the response, absolutely not. I don't want that. I want prosperity for myself. I want freedom for myself and others if they're not a psychopath. Okay. And yet, when most people are asked, is morality objective? 
they'll say, no, it's absolutely relative and individuals can get to make it up and different governments can get to make up whatever they feel is right or wrong. And they'll say, we can do these things and continue to do these things. And yet they all initiate harm and they believe they can get the opposite result. That's the very definition of insanity. And that's what this species is. This is, a, this is an insane asylum. We are living literally in an insane asylum because people here believe I can continue to do the thing that will bring me the opposite result of what I say I want and somehow get what I want. And that is impossible according to law of the creator of the universe. And by my last calculation, that is not any human being alive ever currently alive or that ever will be alive is the creator of the universe who put all of the laws of all of creation into effect, including the laws that govern behavior. And people then will say, there is no law governing behavior. Oh no, it governs everything down to every subatomic particle in all of creation. Laws govern all of that, but somehow they just don't govern, govern little old you. That's the height of satanic ego. That's the height of human hubris to believe that no natural higher power and force has any governing effect on human behavior. It's madness and it's folly. And people should be triggered by that. They should be almost upset by hearing it and hearing the definitiveness and the certainty by which I am explaining it, because I am not explaining the belief system. I am not explaining a religion. I am not explaining an opinion. I'm explaining a fact of the matter way that laws work in this reality, factually, definitively, I have studied it and understood it to the point where I can say that I definitively understand how it operates. And I'm not, that doesn't make me special. I'm not the first. I won't be the last. I'm not special because I've come to that realization. These laws are not in effect to torment humanity with their unknowability. They are discoverable. They are knowable. We are able to discover their operation through observation, through study, and we are able to understand how they work over periods of time. So in effect, that is what natural law is. That is how it operates. It requires study over time and looking at a long view of human history to understand the consequential results that we receive as a species. But it is not a belief system. It is not a religion. It has nothing to do with Darwin's theories whatsoever in any way. It does not apply to the animal kingdom of instinctual base animalistic instinct response, stimulus response behavior. It applies to human beings because we have a higher complexity of thought and logic and are able to reason out which behaviors are moral, which behaviors are immoral. And so it applies to us and nothing anybody does can ever take these laws out of effect. These are the laws of the consequence of behaviors that we have the free will to choose See, that's the thing that makes it both very positive and gives one a little bit of hope and lets you realize it's all up to us because we have free will. 
Free will is a big part of natural law. Okay. It's the randomness part of how everything in human reality functions because we can choose to do any random behavior we choose. That's what free will means. It's not, it's not constrained, right? We are given free will to choose behavior and that behavior can go in any direction that we choose to take it. However, we are not free to escape the consequences of the behaviors that we choose to conduct in this reality. That is governed by law. So if we do something that is immoral because it initiates harm to others, we get a negative consequence. If we stay within the parameters, within the boundary conditions of natural law consequence, we get positive consequence. When this builds up over the aggregate, over the whole human population, over long periods of time, we get what we call the human condition. Our behavioral choices through our free will over time in the past as a species in the aggregate have in the current day given us the condition in humanity, the human condition called slavery. That is what we have based on all the aggregate behavior of all the human beings of the past leading up to the present moment. It collapses the wave function. See, all the choice of the past, it's a wave function that can collapse down into the present moment, and that creates the current condition. That is how things work at a quantum scale in physics. But then you apply that in the macro scale. The macrocosm of behaviors create the current human condition. It collapses it down to that wave function in the present moment to create a physical condition. The present moment choices are a wave function for the future, and if they're Within the boundary conditions of natural law, they can create a positive future. If they're out of the boundary conditions of natural law and they are completely out of alignment with the laws of morality, then they're going to create a chaotic future. That is very simply at a rudimentary level what natural law is and how it functions. And that's what the science of natural law documentary was ultimately all about, trying to get that basic understanding out to the general public, explained in very simple language. All right, that is a boatload to unpack. Let's try to draw some lines back to common sense. Sure. Because one of the things that has been occulted readily is common sense in our current way of being. Say that three more times because it's so true. <laughs> it, it is. That's the big culted secret right now is common sense. Common sense would lead a mind to go check out the things Mark is talking about because they would notice things in the natural world and they would say, why is that? Here's how maybe we can draw some lines back. First of all, the idea of natural law is if it is true, everything Mark has laid down, and I see no problem with the logic, re-look, take another look at the 60s, which is where I mark one of the biggest moral sidesteps of my lifetime. What did they do? They got everyone to do sex, drugs, rock and roll. They broke the family unit. They did a bunch of immoral things, but how did they do it? They did it through free will. In other words, they hacked the natural law, didn't violate anyone's rights because they got us to do it by our own dime. We decided to take those drugs, to have a lot of sex out of wedlock, to do all the things that were previously unacceptable in a more moral time, which we could randomly say the 40s or the 50s. But if we go back to the idea of the natural law, the thing that sticks out to me is you could really, this is not made by men. It is what it is. 
in the same way that water will turn into steam under these conditions without fail. That is not made by a man. A man cannot hack that. A man cannot change the rule for when water will turn into steam. And if we take it full circle from the idea of the illusory world we live in, because everything's changing, nothing is permanent. There is an apex example. It's gold. Gold does not oxidize. Gold does not change. But you see, even though we live in these illusions, the under the underlying natural law, it's not an illusion. It is what it is. And it's not subject to being changed by us. It is the guiding principle. So if you wanted to look at misuse of alchemy to get a result such as lack of freedom, what if it was just simply as easy getting people to be immoral as Mark has laid out? What if I was with a group, a cabal that said, we'd really like to take everyone's freedom. How can we get there? And a real smart alchemist at the table said, well, we just need to get everyone to be immoral by their own free will. So we're going to offer all these drugs. We're going to put porn on demand. We're going to you know, make it okay to steal from your name. We're going to do all these things to just inundate society with immorality. And then that equates exactly to what we see now, a lack of freedoms. But Jason, do you want to get in here? Because we got about 15, 20 minutes. And once we get Mark going, we're about to get a lot of information. Well, I would say, Mark, have you seen anyone actually start to get it more so from the last couple of years? Or would you generally say humanity shutting down at this point because of the level of propaganda we're being hit with? The very bulk of it is going backwards and going infinitely further away from the truth of uh, what morality really is. And that that is literally common sense. So to break down the, the, the idea of common sense, it literally is conscience. Conscience means common sense. Okay. So if you break down etymologically the word conscience, people think conscience is action, right? They think it's action right? But it's not action. That's not conscience. When we say, what is conscience itself, right? It is knowledge. And a lot of people find that confusing. Conscience is the knowledge of whether a behavior in question is moral or immoral, any behavior that you can mention. It's the knowledge, definitive objective knowledge of whether a behavior is moral or immoral. So, if we break it down etymologically, the prefix in Latin, C-O-N, con, means together. So a conference means coming together, people coming together. Okay. Ferre means to bring or to carry, conference, to bring or carry together, right? You're bringing people together to host a conference. Conscience, the word science is in it, C-O-N. S-C-I-E-N-C-E. Science is literally the second part of the word. What does science come from? What Latin word does science come from? It comes from the verb skio and the infinitive, uh, that's first person present tense. The infinitive is skiere, S-C-I-E-R-E. That is where the word in English science comes from. Skiere in Latin means to know or to understand, to possess knowledge. So when we put the two terms together from their etymological roots, con science, conscience, literally means common knowledge, knowledge which is known together, which is shared. Okay. And that is what common sense is. Common sense 
We're supposed to have the knowledge of the difference between right and wrong behavior as worldwide human common sense. That is what it means literally and what it is supposed to be. But we don't have that. And humanity is drifting for in the large percentage, the biggest bulk of our species is drifting further and further away from common sense knowledge of behavior, common sense knowledge of which behavior we should conduct and which behaviors we should never conduct. And again, that is going to lead us back to having to talk about which behaviors are actual wrongdoings. People have preferred behaviors, preferred outcomes, but it doesn't necessarily create a violation of others' rights or property. So the understanding of property is of paramount importance, and really the understanding of what I refer to as the true seven deadly sins. See, there are seven deadly sins that are talked about in other religious faiths, particularly in Christianity, but they are not the deadly sins in reality, in nature. They are the church's version of which behaviors they consider to be unwanted or undesirable. But yet those behaviors do not actually conduct or initiate, I should say, harm against other sentient beings. Should we just rampantly engage in those behaviors? No, we should circumscribe those behaviors. We should limit those behaviors. We shouldn't put them up on a pedestal or glorify them because if we become degraded by continuing to do them, it can lead us to truly immoral behavior. But in and of themselves, those behaviors are not the true transgressions against natural law. I define a new set of seven deadly sins that are what I call the true seven deadly sins because they are the actual transgressions against the laws of the creator of the universe that we can actually do and put into effect through behavior in the world. So one, common sense. And again, to go back to your question, Jason, I do believe the bulk of humanity is moving further away from this knowledge and understanding and common sense. But there is a small portion of humanity that is rapidly gaining this understanding and to higher and higher levels. So all hope, quote unquote, is not lost. I don't tell people to have hope. I don't tell people to abandon hope. I really tell people this is a choice. That's the great news. It's not even just good news. It's phenomenal news right? None of this is locked in like a computer program that constrains us that we can never escape. We, we have freedom to choose our behavior. That's the good news. So what informs the choice of behavior? Knowledge informs our choices of behavior. If we take that knowledge in, if we're open-minded enough to take it in and understand that knowledge and come to a level of understanding of, of how behavioral consequence works, we can change the outcome. So that's not a hopeful situation, although I consider it good news. That's great news that it's, it's all up to our free will. We made the current situation of slavery. We can unmake it and make a, a condition of freedom. That is possible. Will we choose it is the question. Will we exercise our willpower to obtain and understand the knowledge and then willfully choose the right behavior over the wrong behavior that we're currently choosing? That's up to each individual. I can't answer that question because that's up to the heart and mind of every single individual alive on this planet. Okay. So, but it's good news that we have that freedom of choice. 
the small group of people who are currently gaining that understanding can communicate that to the wider body of humanity and begin to get some of those people to convert over to an accurate understanding and exercise common sense. But it's going to require a tremendous act of responsibility and sacrifice of that few. That few is going to have to exert true care, not only to learn this information in its fullness, but to communicate it through modern standards of communication. Meaning you don't just tell it through word of mouth. You formalize it and you immortalize it. That's the path. You have to first formalize the information. That means you create some form or set of media that puts it into a formal, logical, linear understanding for people through words, through images, through video, through audio, etc. Modern forms of media have to be learned how to work with. Then you immortalize it. You communicate it in an immortalized way. In the modern day, that's putting something on the internet in a space that cannot be censored. So now web 3.0, as it is called, is all about technologies that are decentralized and uncensorable. And there's many different technologies that can operate like that now. And that is what one in this small group of people needs to do to take the responsibility to communicate this information out to the maximum amount of people, right? They have to formalize it and immortalize it. And unfortunately, most of the people who care enough about this information and have recognized, yes, this is true. This is the way things really operate in our reality, do not have that background. They do not have that know-how. They do not have that skill set. And that's why I teach how to become the true media, because I am teaching people who in the modern day, while they have the knowledge of natural law, unfortunately, they are modern day illiterate. And that's a powerful triggering word that I'm calling most people, even within our quote unquote movement, illiterate. And they are illiterate. Okay. Most of them are illiterate. I'd say over 99% of them are illiterate by modern standards. In the ancient world and in the traditional, even recent past human history, to call someone illiterate meant that they could not communicate according to the basic standards of communication of their day, which was being able to read something that was printed on some form of paper and to be able to write with a writing implement on some form of paper. That was literacy. That constituted literacy for the bulk of human history. The dynamics of literacy have changed in the modern world because we do not do our modern communication through pen, pencil, or paper. We don't do it through papyrus scrolls and ink. That's not how it's done anymore. So very logically and simply and realistically and pragmatically, all you have to do is look at, ask the question, how do people actually communicate in the modern day if they want to do wide-scale communication? I'm not talking about picking up your phone and calling your mom. We're not talking about that. We're talking about 
how do you communicate important information to a very wide audience so that many, many people can understand it? In the past, they painstakingly wrote with ink on papyrus scrolls and then filed them and asked people who were literate at the time, who could read and write, copy this down so that other people can learn it. And it, it was dangerous because the information, if it was the ruling class at that time that want people to know it, you'd be murdered, painfully tortured, probably. OK, today we have the most amazing opportunity that has ever presented itself in all of human history. We have the communications medium known as the Internet, where we can reach millions of minds instantaneously. And most people are, again, watching ridiculous forms of entertainment, playing games, totally wasting the opportunity. That's the bulk of humanity. Let me jump in here, Mark. We got to wrap up hour one. Hold the thought where you're at right now. When we come back for hour two, we're going to pick up. So everybody knows you can get to Mark at the following website, whatonearthishappening.com. This is a donation-based system. This is how he keeps it going. So again, it's whatonearthishappening.com for Mark's information. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back for hour two. You know, it has occurred to me that what we're witnessing in the current era is what I call the winnowing. People are going to make free will decisions that are going to shorten their existence here in this plane, and they're going to pay for it. And they're going to be bad decisions followed by bad outcomes. That's a lot of what's going on. But what that also means is those of us that go beyond this point of the winnowing will be better prepared to deal with what's on the other side. Mark, when we come back, you know, I had to bring it up as you were talking about conscious. We should hit on Pinocchio when we open up on the other side. It's not like the things that you're talking about haven't been known. Uh, Look at the child's cartoon Pinocchio, where his conscience is that little cricket. And you can see the free will play out and the immoral actions play out. It's all there. We even have Jonah and the whale in Pinocchio. But that's it for hour one of episode 431 with Jason Lindgren and Mark Passio. Catch the second hour. Um, man's a trove of information. And he can deal with languages better than I will ever be able to deal because I don't know Latin at the root way he does. There it is. The second hour can be found at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
is the enemy of knowing.